The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets, our pins have character. This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the galaxy's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your very own smartphone. See their limited edition giant silver Tribble available for pre-order today at sciencediv.com. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. Hi, this is John Billingsley, Dr. Phil Flox from Star Trek Enterprise. Now, I'm reading something that was written for me, and I think they could have done better. So this is not me. This is them. My prescription for you is a healthy dose of the Track Geeks podcast starring Dan Davidson and Bill. He could have done better, Smith. It truly is the best medicine. Oh, come on, boys. And here's how they close it. Doctor's orders. Shame, tisk, tisk. For the record, that was Dan Davidson that wrote that. That was me. <laughs> wow. Well, that's uh, even better because now it's forever blamed on Bill. That's forever blamed on Bill. There Thank you, you, Mr. Bacula. There you go. Ooh, <laughs> wow. All right. All right. Fleet Command Travel Office. Destination Viva Las Vegas, baby. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant, the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings to you, one and all, Trekkies, Trekkers, and Trek fans alike, maybe even Trek Geeks, and welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast from fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith. We're so excited to be here in Vegas. We're so excited to have you listening, and we're so excited to have our topic today. Um, and by we, I do mean my co-host and I. Every year that we've been to Vegas lately, he's decided to do more and more elaborate cosplay. And I can only hope that at some point he goes as an actual human being. He is the rather alien-like Dan Davidson. And Dan, um, EO11, baby. EO11, baby. It's right. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I, I'm so excited. That's all I can say. I, it's it's we're, we're, and you just can't hide it. Fi- yeah, very good. We finally made it. We finally made it here. It's so exciting. It, it's Vegas, baby. Just you know, I gotta say, coming in on final approach always gets me when we're coming into Vegas because of the, the because of how everything looks. The mountains and the and the lake the that's almost empty. The lake that's almost empty and the lights, of course. Seeing the strip as you land, and it always looks so much closer than it is. The airport is right next to all those buildings, yet it still takes an hour to get to the hotel. <laughs> but I'm okay with that because we're here and it's awesome. <laughs> Long hauling does not happen in Vegas, Dan. <laughs> okay, that sounds good to me. I just want to throw that out there. But we are here today for our annual Vegas trip theme show. And we've picked a we've picked a good one today, but we have to qualify this. Yes, we do. Absolutely we do. We are finally going to discuss uh, TNG's season two episode, The Royale. And we have to preface this by saying, Oh god, how many Decades ago, did we actually do see it or skip it for season two of TNG? It seems like it was forever ago. We both gave this one a very hearty and robust skip it. Uh, But we decided that we were going to watch it uh, and talk about it for this episode. And I got to say, I I might have a feeling that those votes might change. I'm just going to say that. Mea culpa, mea culpa, whatever you say, mea culpa. Mea maxima culpa. Yeah. Um, that was actually Trek Geeks number 93, oh my almost goodness. 200 episodes wow. ago. Our friend Rick Tatro was the uh, the guest geek that particular episode, mm-hmm. and he guided us through 
that season. And well, we have a lot to talk about coming up in a bit, don't <laughs> yeah, we? We certainly do. And it's, you know what? I don't mind eating crow. And I'm going to be doing some right now because, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Um, and, but I mean, you and I have been waiting to talk about this episode now for literally two years yeah. before we went to the last Vegas three years ago. I said, next year mm-hmm. we're doing the Royale. Mm-hmm. And you said, oh, yeah, let's do that episode. And then COVID happened. Boom. And then last year, we had to cancel our trip. Boom. And so we've been saving this particular episode on the board in our prep for two straight years. And I'm just excited. We finally get to do it. I am too. And I'll tell you what. There's so many good things to talk about with this episode. And I will say this. We did it last week with Blood Oath. And it's what we do because it's fun to do. We love the episodes, but we always kind of nitpick about stuff just because it's fun. So when the nitpicking comes out, at least on my side, please be rest assured. I like the episode. It was fun. It had great moments. And making fun of certain things in an episode is what makes talking about it so much fun for me. Much like when I make fun of you. Right. What? Well, Dan, we get to do this in person this yes. week, but for everybody listening, we want to take a moment, as we always do, to thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Yeah, it's always one of my favorite parts of the show, man. And, and I mean, why not? Fansets puts out simply awesome stuff. So if you're here at the 56-year mission convention in Las Vegas, be sure to stop by their booth in the vendor's room for some awesome new releases, such as the Women of Trek Special Vegas Edition of Michael Burnham, the USS Defiant and the USS Voyager XL Masterships. Two new Masterships are out. The Doug Jones Captain Saru pin, the Captain Saru Micro Crew pin, uh, the 2022 Vegas Poker Chip featuring everyone's favorite Beckett Mariner. And dude, there are a whole bunch of Deltas all available in pin, pin and magnetic form, such as three, yes, three new Strange New Worlds Deltas, Command, Operation, and Sciences, the Confederation Delta, sorry, Bill, no throat slashing is allowed with this pin. Uh, (laughs) Please. (laughs) Sorry. The Discovery Season 1 Delta, as well as the mini Delta version of Discovery Season 1, and the Section 31 Delta is going to be available too. Now, please keep in mind, not all of these show releases are available yet at fansets.com, but be sure to check out the site after the convention so you can still get yours if you're not attending the con here with us. Also, for you folks in Vegas, be sure to pick up your special Strange New Worlds Memorial Ship in collection as there's only going to be a hundred of them for sale at the con. And I got one more thing. I got a lot of things here this week, Bill, as a special bonus for you Vegas goers, although it's not going to be for sale here at the convention, you're going to be able to get a sneak peek at the Delta that everyone's been wanting for 25 years. Yeah. It's finally here. The TNG Delta is coming to you from fansets and you can see it in all its glory at their booth in the vendor's room. Wow, that that is a, a huge amount of great new stuff. And I can already see that my money will go to Lou and John in Vegas this year. So, yeah, guys, thanks for that. For everyone else, you know what I'm going to say. Head on over to fansets.com, get a whole bunch of pins and accessories, put them in your cart, and at checkout, be sure to enter the special discount code word TREKGEEKS for 10% off your entire order. That's TREKGEEKS in all capital letters with no spaces. And of course, don't forget, when you spend more than $30, you will automatically get free shipping in the U.S. Fansets. Our pins have character, and we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. So, Dan, way back in Trek Geeks number 93... Which I know it seems weird to say that because it was five years ago. <laughs> um, we did the theater skip it for Star Trek The Next Generation season two. Mm-hmm. This was an episode that dropped in February of 2017. And uh, of course, you know, we went through like we always do and we gave our ratings for theater skip it. Mm-hmm. And well, as one might guess, um, we made a particular judgment on the episode we're going to talk about today, TNG's 
the Royale. Yes. I'm going to play the actual clip here in a minute. Yeah. But if you recall, um, we weren't really kind no, to this episode. Not at all. I was I was harsh. I think harsh is is a good way to describe it. Um, at the time that we did this, I was not a fan of this episode. I wasn't really a big fan of a lot in season two, if I remember correctly. Um, but if if I'm looking back at when we did this recording so many millennia ago, this might have been one of the ones that I disliked the most of the season at that time. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> and I think I'm not far behind you. So um, we're going to talk about it on the other side of this clip, but this is a clip from episode 93. Uh, our guest geek this episode leading us through the theater skip, it is our friend Rick Tatro. But uh, here are Dan's and my votes for the Royale. Episode 12, the Royale. Riker, Worf, and Data investigate a structure on the surface of an icy gas giant, which appears to be a hotel from 20th century Earth. Bill... When I watch this episode, I wish I were the astronaut guy. <laughs> <laughs> Just put me out of my misery. This episode is is painful. Uh, it "ug" was the first r- word I wrote in in thinking about this episode. It um, it, it seems like a, another idea where they could have possibly tried to use it in the original series, but it is it is putrid. And uh, skip this, please. I'm begging you, skip it. <laughs> You think it's the worst of the of worse than Okona? Okona, whatever the hell his name is. For me, yeah, I think really it is. okay. Yeah. Well, I definitely gave it a skip it as well. I don't think it's the worst episode of the season, but it's definitely the second. Um, it's an awful episode uh, to me. This episode reminds me of some of the season three TOS episodes where they were just out of money. So they had a cheap ass set and the cheap ass set here was that revolving door with nothing else around it. I just, I don't like it. I didn't like the story. And I have to agree. The astronaut guy had a better fate than people that have to sit there and watch it. (laughs) Well, there you have it. Um, Some words were said. (laughs) <laughs> Allegedly. Well, yeah, they were said all right. That's <laughs> they were said. Yep. We have the proof. Yep. Um, it's safe to say that our view of this episode has really changed. What What was it that changed it for you? I, I think the fact that, I, seriously, I think the fact that I'm older and have an appreciation for what Star Trek episodes with the Star Trek and air quotes are all about uh, means more to me now than it did maybe back then. Um, I mean, even though, I mean, it was only, you know, a few years ago, but I've life events, COVID, all kinds of things happen that have make you have a better appreciation for stuff. And I tend to look at episodes that I may not have liked before with a more open eye or open mind when I'm rewatching them again. And I think that's definitely what's happened here. Sure. I can appreciate that. I, you know, as I rewatch this, I, I think of, you know, Deep Space Nine's Move Along Home. And the reason why I like that one is because it reminds me of a season three episode of the original series. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel the same way about this one. Um, Although this one certainly would have had a bigger budget than anything in season three at TOS. Um, The kind of whole, you know, minimalist feeling at the beginning where they, you know, the revolving door is there. And then this sort of puzzle that they have to extricate themselves from really to me is kind of straight out of TOS. And I think that's why I've grown to have an appreciation for it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's perfect that you say that man, the season three TOS, you know, because everybody knows that in at the season three TOS had money cut like crazy. They had a, they had a bare bones budget and Cliff Bowl says in this, that there were budgetary problems in doing this episode. They didn't have a lot of money, which is why the revolving door was just that it was a revolving door sitting in a black room. I mean, they had to make a lot of uh, budgetary uh, choices and how they were going to do this uh, episode with different angles, with how they built the Las Vegas uh, casino uh, set and everything like that. And it kind of makes you think about season three of TOS a little bit when you read that they had these budgetary problems with this episode. Which is amazing to me because if you look at that set of the casino, it's, good. it's a it's a beautiful set. Yeah. You know, I, I look at that and it's better than some of the other sets that TNG had you know, in the first few seasons, because there's a lot of detail. There's a lot of, you know, sort of antique, you know, set dressing in this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's all interactive. There's a whole bunch of extras. Yeah. Uh, this had to be an expensive episode. It's funny. It, the, the, the casino and the hotel lobby, this is going to be strange for some people. It reminds me of the Tower of Terror 
waiting room when you're going to go on the ride in Disney where they got the the hotel and the, and the and the desk even though there's cobwebs and there's nobody there but it just had that feel for me for it and I thought they did a great job and, and he talks about using different angles to make things look better and that's that's the that's the mind of a great director to be able to do that working with what you may have that's little to make it look like a lot more and he did a good job with this one yeah, it really did. Although it's interesting that this is the episode that led to Tracy Torme sort of leaving the writing staff mm-hmm. of of Star Trek: The Next Generation because of rewrites done by Maurice Hurley, um, you know, sort of the guy who was responsible for Gates McFadden getting fired from the show oh. at the end of season one. <laughs> um, it's kind of interesting that um, that that's the case, and that he even you know wanted to use a pseudonym because he didn't want his name anywhere near this episode. Yeah. And in hindsight, that's amazing to me because I, I really think it's it's a great piece of science fiction. It really is. And it was to the point where even even cast members were coming up to him saying, this 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 story was a great story. What's happened? Um, so, yeah. And, and eventually, um, he was only involved in one other episode of TNG, I believe. And that was Manhunt. Um, and then he just finally left. Uh, as a result of this. So, and, and it's, it's amazing when we look at the behind the scenes stuff with a lot of these stories that uh, we see on screen, sometimes they have nothing in comparison with the original story that was written by the person who wrote it. And that's really a surprise to me. Yeah. It, it's, I would have really been interested to read the original draft of his, of his scripts, because I think it would have been really interesting, especially with some of the elements that were removed. Mm-hmm. Um, but here we are, here you know, we are. It's, uh, it's some of the the history items on this a memory alpha are really interesting when you look at the chaos behind the scenes of this particular episode. Um, plus, it would have been nice to have more Dr. Pulaski here, but that's just me. Yeah, that's just you. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Why are you such a Pulaski here? I, I, she just she just I mean, I think her character was supposed to be kind of cranky and, and prickly. And, and I just was one that I never really got the feels for i mean i just i like to do that because because i know i like to tease you about it but in all honesty she never was a real favorite character of mine but i i will say the one scene that she's in in this one is isn't bad it's not too bad maybe because it's only one scene and that makes me happy i'm not sure your face is crankly and prickly <laughs> thank you i think <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome yeah. you're welcome you know i'm amazed we've gotten this far in the recording so far and you've not once mentioned that the assistant manager of the hotel is bernard from lost well, maybe you should have waited a little while and I would have. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, usually you're jumping to, to mention something from Lost like as soon as we start recording. I know. I'm sorry. But I, one of the things I was going to say, one of the things that I love about this episode is the humor. There's a lot of subtle humor in this episode, which really works. And one of the ones that I like the most involves the manager of the hotel. And that's when they're talking about uh, what planet is this? And he goes, Earth. What planet do you call it? And Force Theta Eight. And Kyle goes, <laughs> "How charming!" <laughs> I just thought that was really. It was a great little little quick one liner of, of humor, and it made me it made me chuckle. But yes, it, it's amazing how young he is in this. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's about fifteen years later, he winds up an angel for a bunch of episodes. <laughs> you know, it's sort of the guy who runs Wolfram and Hart, and to, to see him in this, he looks like he he just barely got out of. You know, I don't want to say college because yeah. he's still old. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> by the time he gets to Lost, he's just, he's he's old as hell. Bernard, he's great. I love Bernard. <laughs> <laughs> you just love Lost. I, I mean, come it's on. So Maybe I'll do a rewatch um, of that next. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, back to the Royale. Um, uh, Humor is great. One of the other things that I really like about this episode is Data. This yeah. is, he is, he is data, data, data in this. And, you know, he's so Android like at the beginning and, 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 and talking about things. But then when he fixes those dice, he, t- he knows that the dice are weighted wrong. So Riker's like, uh, can you fix them? Not like, not like, can you weight them to our advantage? He just says, can you fix them? <laughs> Which I thought was pretty good. So data's like, sure, squeezes them. And then he just has the smirk. He's like, Rolling the dice. <laughs> Daddy needs a new pair of shoes or baby needs a new pair of shoes. <laughs> Whatever. Anything he says is just the perfect punctuation point yeah. to that particular moment. Yeah. Just because of the way Brent Spiner portrays yeah. it. It's just, it's, it's fantastic. It's, and he looks good in a cowboy hat too. 
<laughs> that we'll get to more of that scene a little later, but um, I have a question for you, okay. sort of a little thought exercise. So at the beginning of the episode, the Enterprise beams aboard, beams aboard a, a piece of debris mm-hmm. that has the NASA, you know, worm logo, yes. as they like to call yes, it, it does. and a United States flag with 52 stars. Yes. What two states do you think were added? I'm thinking Puerto Rico's one of them. Okay. And I have no idea for the second one. I don't know. Iceland? Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, I don't know if you know this. going to buy it? I don't know. Some stupid thing. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but they're their own country. Uh, yeah. Well, you know. Well, I'm going to go with Puerto Rico because that's long overdue. Maybe Washington, D.C. I say the District of Columbia. There you go. I think. Okay. It would, and it makes sense. Yeah. It is interesting, though, also that that flag is a little bit different, not only for the two stars for 52 states, but the way that that flag is put together is a little different than what we're used to in modern times. Your face is a little yes. different than what we're used to. Normally, in times. the stars sit on a white stripe on our, our present day flag. But in this flag that's depicted on that piece of metal that's beamed aboard, it's sitting on a red stripe. <laughs> but you didn't know that. I didn't know it either until like I read stripe. it. <laughs> I could go for a red stripe right about now. Yeah, that, oh, that's good stuff. Let's go get one at the bar right beer. on the street. Okay. Or in the, Although, the casino. I don't know. If we're coming all the way to Vegas, why have a red stripe? How about a Dos Equis? <laughs> why, why bother? I mean... <laughs> I, I, no, I'm just kidding. I don't drink Dos Equis. <laughs> you don't drink beer. I don't really. really. Corona, that's about it. Uh, so, And you drink crappy beer at that. <laughs> so... Um, I, I, one of the things that I love the most about this is that we don't know a lot about the aliens that inhabit nothing. this planet. Yeah. We know nothing about them. Mm-hmm. And yet, they tried to create as best they could an environment for this astronaut to live out the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Based on a book. Think of, Based on a book. If you think about this. There are qualities of compassion there. Mm-hmm. At least I have to believe there are. I don't believe they tried to imprison him, nope. but I can believe that it felt that way. Oh yeah, as he says, and he even says that he thinks that it was out of a sense of guilt that yeah. uh, that they decided to create this world that they thought was 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 what he wanted and what he really lived in in real life. Um, and but I I do find it extremely interesting that you never know anything about this race. You never see them. You never know what they're called. They're pretty powerful to be able to do what they did, um, but we never hear about them ever again, as far as we know, ever in Star Trek, at least to this point. No, and not at all. And this is I mean, this is a construct that you know is kind of used in in two thousand one, a space odyssey. Mm-hmm. You know where this sort of environment is created from you know, uh, belongings right. or, or I guess artifacts is the right word. And then it kind of happens in the Voyager episode displaced in a way, but this examination of it, I think is fascinating. And I just didn't respect this at the time because it was like, Oh, they find an astronaut. Oh, stupid. You know, back in 1988 yeah. or 89 or whenever this was on, yeah. I looking back at that now, I'm like, wow. You know, with 53 year old eyes, it's like the, the amount of they could have just left this astronaut to die. Exactly. Well, they could. Yeah. They, yeah. I mean, all the other crew died from these aliens. If you know, maybe they could have. Maybe they could have done something to end his life without him realizing that they were doing it. I, I don't know. But I found it incredible that he was alone, literally alone, except for these fake people, for almost forty years before he died, according to the diary. Yeah. That's that's nuts. Can you imagine? It's got to feel like Groundhog Day. Yeah. Can you imagine going through this same, the, the plot of this same novel for 40 years? Yeah. And, I can't. And do you think, that's a good question though, dude, is do you think that for the 40 years, it was just the same story over and over again? Or did it just continue for 40 years and he never even got to the end of the book while he was alive? I'm guessing he never got to the end because yeah. the the investors never came to purchase the building yeah. or because uh, if they had the simulator it'd be over yeah uh, it's just that's a long time i mean i it, whew, i can't even imagine it i it, it's entirely possible he could have lived different experiences each of those days but would the aliens have been smart enough to have that happen in the scope of this novel because maybe all they know is what they were given it kind of makes me think of the cage a little bit do you think it that does. these aliens were able to to change things around so that when things were going on, it was like a different experience for him every time? 
Um, Maybe. But we'll never know because we never hear about these these creatures or these aliens again, ever. We know, we know that they're powerful enough to create a breathable atmosphere Very, yep. on a planet that has a temperature below absolute zero mm-hmm. um, with a, what was it, a methane atmosphere Something or whatever like it was. Yeah, it looked pretty cool above uh, their Frozen heads. methane. Yeah. 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 Uh, that was a really neat effect too for 1988. Let me tie it. It was. And I guess Dr. Pulaski said that it would take like 12 seconds for them to like be completely overtaken when they slice a hole with the phasers, if they were going to try yeah. to beam them out. I was like, okay, yeah. well, okay. I'm going to give 12 seconds of my life to a chief O'Brien's uh, ability to beam quickly. And Dr. Pulaski's ability to save lives. Yeah. We'll stay here for a few months to see if we can figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, maybe they could just, you know, beam them up in some styrolite. Oh, oh, that didn't work oh boy, out. So that's well. not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. I, so I, I, I think a lot of my appreciation from this comes from thinking about the aliens that created this environment. Mm -hmm. You know, as the story goes, it's well acted. It's the script is okay. Let's be honest. But the visuals I really think are what brings this home for me. I, I don't feel like I'm on some cheesy planet set, you know, like we are in season one of next gen or whatever. Um, It's obviously not a location shoot, but this is a set that, that is interesting to look at and has a lot of detail. And I think that that along with the aliens makes this really the kind of thing I want to watch. One of the things that I really appreciate now as I'm older watching it and, and, and having talked about different shows so much here on the podcast is the outdoor set. If you want to call it a set of just the revolving door back when we did see it or skip it, I said it was cheap. I said it was dumbass uh, production because it just had a revolving door and that was it. Now that I'm thinking about it more, it really has a specter of the gun vibe to it, where it's just pieces of what they were able to pull either out of the book or out of the out of the crew's mind. And it's something that I can really appreciate. And it's kind of cool that when they're inside the casino and they try to go out, they just go in a circle and come back to the inn. And they're all like surprised. I I like that effect without showing them not being outside. I don't know if I'm yeah. what I'm the way I'm saying it makes sense or not, but mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of cool how they did it twice. Um, and each time they just came back inside, and of course Riker's standing there with his barrel chest, like, "What's going on?" <laughs> you know, I used to dog on that particular aspect of the episode of the revolving door and the the, the black room because of the empath mm-hmm. in the original series, oh, yeah. which is a notoriously you know low budget episode mm-hmm. where it's almost like they give up trying. Exactly. Um, this is like, all right, let's just, let's just do it like a minimalist play. Let's just do it. And I kind of equated that the same way in my own mind, but this episode I think tells a much better story. I think it really does. And, and the lack of visuals actually works here now that I'm watching it again. Whereas with the empath, it was just like, okay, they didn't have any money. So they just use a lot of black lights and dark sets so that they wouldn't have to show that they were out of money. They did, even though we talked about at the beginning of this, they had budgetary things that they had to deal with for this episode. It's not like they didn't have any money. When you're talking about the eighties, they had a lot of money to work with stuff and what they had, they were able to do good things with here. Well, and you know, there's that contrast of the minimalist, you know, outside and the detail Mm -hmm. and the environment, that seems very real on the inside. So (laughs) there's a lot of things going on here from the aliens to the story, to the, to the, the set decoration. Um, and I, I just didn't have enough of an appreciation for it back then, or even just a handful of years ago. One of the things that I like the most is how Picard reacts to (laughs) reading the book. (laughs) (laughs) It was a dark and stormy night. Oh my God. <laughs> because I mean, that's the cliched line, right? Absolutely. And he, here he's, he's ready. He's going to, first of all, I'm amazed that this book is even in the enterprise computer <laughs> because it's trash. <laughs> let's be honest. It's trash. Yes. And then, so Picard's like, all right, let's crack into this. Let's find out. It was a dark and stormy night. Are you kidding? <laughs> Deanna's like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I do like uh, uh, during that it was a different scene than that one, but still in his ready room and they're listening to the dialogue going on on the planet. And he's got this volume button on his desk and he just is like turning it up and turning it down. And, and it's like, what a, did, did, and Dan is like, did humans really talk like this? <laughs> and he's like, no, no. And then she's like, okay, with your permission. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> bye. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. It was, it's interesting reading. That's for sure. I, I love the I love that Worf gets most of the fish out of water lines. 
You know, like um, the elevator seems, sorry, the turbo lift seems to be broken. It, when they discover the hotel room that uh, that Colonel Ritchie is in, and they, they go in, you know, Riker goes over to the bed, Dan is standing there with his tricorder, and behind him in the in frame is Worf trying to figure out bifold closet doors. It's a hilarious moment. It yeah, it's really good. Then when the phone <laughs> so, rings, he kind of picks yeah. it up like he's never seen a phone. He's kind of holding it kind of weird. And he's like, yes. <laughs> and then something about room service. And they thought it was for cleaning the room. And he's like, no, and hangs up. And that uh, it's he Worf has some of the humor, uh, the most humorous lines uh, in this. And of course, you already said it, that whole that whole uh, perhaps the turbo list can take us there. So he's standing there. Nothing's happening. And as he's saying, they must be malfunctioning. Data's hitting the button. <laughs> it's just, yeah, this is great. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. It's it's really amazing to me. I I there's so many just subtle things in this episode, and why we didn't see it before, I just don't know. Oh, I, I don't either. But I will say one thing, and I'm not saying this to be negative, even though it's going to sound a little. Maybe it is a little negative. It, the the episode is slow paced. It does. It's not. There's not a lot of action in this episode. There's. It's no. kind of slow paced. It's got that. It's got that, I don't know if cheesy is the right word, but that kind of symphon- uh, uh, synthesizer music as it's going through with the weird scene. And it just, it kind of, it kind of dates itself, even though seeing it now, it it's still, it's still good to watch. It, it was kind of, there were a couple parts that were kind of like, wow, this is, this is an old episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sort of the synth interpretation of what Vegas music sounds like. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, not n- not a huge uh, satisfier in this episode. <laughs> and I was wrong. It was actually January of eighty nine. This came 89. out. Eighty nine. That's still close. in the eighties. That's I okay. was so close. Yeah. Um, one of the great guest stars in this episode, aside from Bernard from Lost, is Noble Willingham as as Texas, Texas. The, the gambler. <laughs> and uh, he was on Walker Texas Ranger for many years. But I mean, his his IMDb resume looks like, you know, the, the greatest of sixties and seventies television. <laughs> so just so here are some, here are some shows that he's been on Bonanza, Gunsmoke, wow. the Waltons, Mary Tyler Moore, the Rockford files, Alice, Dallas chips, Dukes of hazard, a team, LA law, home improvement, murder. She wrote oh, goodness. And even an episode of quantum leap. Wow. That's a, that's this <laughs> dude has been in so much stuff. He's so funny in this too. I mean, he's, he's the flamboyant, Texan in this, the hat and the and the the Texas tie that he's got and the way that he talks and acts and uh, I mean just the time to get down to business. <laughs> just business. Yeah, but but I mean people will probably remember him most as C D Parker on Walker, Texas Ranger with Chuck Norris. Um that's the role that he was on for for years. Mm-hmm. So which came at I think after this. <laughs> oh interesting. He, yeah, he, so I mean is he still alive? No, he passed in two thousand four. Okay, I was going to say uh, it would have been. Su- I would have been surprised if he was, because this was a long time ago, and he was a little up there in years then. <laughs> but he's just fantastic in this yeah, episode. He really is, and the way he and Spiner interact <laughs> is just it. It really those scenes are just they're gems. They, are. they really are. They really are. They work well. Um, uh, I'm not sure what I like better: the blackjack scenes or the craps table scenes with the two of them. Um, right, because they they're both awesome. They both have things about it that I like a lot on each one. The cowboy hat with Data at the blackjack, and of course Data just throwing the dice, not even looking when he's throwing the dice at, at, at the end of it. He just he just throwing them and snapping his fingers, and I just think that's great. And the reaction, of course, from Texas. But I do I I will say I I did feel bad for the guy at the end he was he bet it all and data knew that he was going to throw a seven because he fixed the dice and he he did try to say i tried to warn you sir but he kind of kind of had feel a little bit bad for the guy until Riker says oh no we're giving everybody money (laughs) i still don't feel bad for him (laughs) because data did try to warn him he did he did try to warn him yeah yeah you know but i maybe that character always loses in the book we don't know we don't know enough about the book maybe we should see if somebody write that yet i don't know (laughs) Maybe you should write it. You could write poor things. I I believe that. I do every time I do a spot for the fan sets. I know. That's why we have to go in and fix it all the time. Um, <laughs> I think the thing I appreciate the most about Riker in this episode is, man, he knows how to throw around some money. He does. That's, if you're having a party, you want to invite Will Riker. You do. Here, here's some chips <laughs> for you. Here, give these all to the cocktail waitresses. And here's this and that. He has a whole tray that he gives. And they got 25 point something million dollars. And they only need 12 point something. So he's given the other 12 million all the people there. I want to be at the Royale right now. He knows how to be a big spender. Yeah. You can make him buy a smaller chair so he doesn't have to do that thing when he sits down. 
saying. Well, but I mean, that's his thing, though, right? Oh, that's true. I mean, come on. That's true. Um, <clears throat> so one of the things I wanted to bring up, I wanted to get your opinion on it, is, of course, we're in a different era nowadays with television and yep. how things are. Yep. Sexism is abound in this episode. It is. It really is. I mean, you you, you know, Texas is hitting that girl on the butt and Worf has a pretty funny reaction. He just kind of looks around and it's like, what was that all about? Um, and, and, uh, what was it? Mickey D is that Mickey was, what was the bad guy's name? Was it Mickey D Mikey D something? I don't remember. Um, I say he was uh, McDonald's. It was mayor McCheese. <laughs> he said that no dame is good enough to die over to kill over. Yeah. But not to die over. Okay. It was Mickey D by Mickey the way. D. Okay. Um, I, I just felt that there was a lot of, um, I don't know if exploitation is the right word in this episode, but it could be also that, you know, who knows what year this is supposed to be uh, in the Royale. Um, And, you know, we've seen things like that in different eras that have been depicted on Star Trek. And so, you know, maybe it was done that way on purpose. But then again, I think back to what was television like back then. And I'm kind of thinking it was similar. Well, you know, you you have to take a look at kind of when this is set Mm -hmm. as far as, you know, the, uh, the, the Royale itself. You know, the Flamingo, uh, Las Vegas' oldest resort, mm-hmm. opened in 1946. And so I'm going to guess that the Royale is probably set sometime in the early 50s, mm-hmm. maybe mid-50s tops. And that's unfortunately the way it was. Yeah. I can see the I can see why they kept it that way for the book and for making this episode in the 1980s. But looking back on it now, 30 plus years later, it's just, it, it, it's not a great look. It's not, it's not a great look at, at all. Although some of the wardrobe uh, is a great look. The wardrobe that that yes. gangster has is pretty cool. And I would like to have that for my smooth criminal cosplay when I go to a Michael Jackson party. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. I will also say that nobody flinches really when he pulls out his uh, pearl handed, uh, pearl handled uh, nine mil and, and kills the, the bus boy. Everybody kind of goes, no. oh, but then nobody does anything. <laughs> well, but I mean, that's what a lot of the movies. Are, <laughs> exactly. You, know, like, you look back at the old gangster movies, mm-hmm. you know, when somebody gets shot and killed, you know, there's not this sense of, you know, we got to run away screaming. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very much that lack of reaction. Right. Like, well, yeah. What did you expect? Mm-hmm. He's, he's a mobster with a gun. Yep. Um, it's almost like an acceptance, which is really kind of scary yeah. to look back on and, and weird. Yeah. Because that's certainly not the way people would react today. That's for no, sure. No, not at all. Even the way that the that the busboy takes his gun and puts it in his belt. Just the way it's like. Yeah. <laughs> like, what yeah. are you doing? You're going to get yourself in trouble, kid. I like you, kid. <laughs> I appreciate how they kind of play on some old Hollywood film stereotypes yeah. in depicting the Royale. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the irony there. Um, it, I think it works really well in the scope of this episode, but I mean, if this were sort of a standalone thing, people were trying to take seriously, it just wouldn't work at all. Yeah, I, I agree. One of the things I also found, and I'm, I'm curious if you felt this way at all. When I was watching this again the other day, I couldn't help but think of bada bing, bada boom from deep space nine. Bada bing, bada bang. Bada bing, bada bang. Bada boom. Bada bing, bang, boom. Um, yeah, I really couldn't help but think about that. <laughs> it's helpful when you know the episode title. I, I, knowing the episode title and knowing the episode are two very different things. <laughs> Especially in your world. Especially in my world. I'll spell it wrong. I'll say it wrong. But I did think of that. I, I thought of the casino scenes in that episode a lot when I was rewatching this. I don't know if you did. I I did, but only in the scope of how differently the sets were decorated. Mm-hmm. You know, because in Bada Bing, Bada Bang, you really get the feel of a 1960s casino, yeah. um, you know, sort of Rat Pack era type mm-hmm. vibe. It's the colors are right. The decor is right. This seems like a little even more opulent than even my, the 50s might have been. Yeah. Um, certainly a distinct lack of cigarette smoke <laughs> <laughs> in true. both cases. Yes. Yep. In both cases. But um, uh, the Royale for me doesn't ring as true decoration wise as bada bing bada bang i'll agree with that yep of course they've had that maybe they maybe they watched this and knew how they they had more money so that they could do it better bigger and better because it does seem bigger i got the sense they looked at a lot of period photos Mm. for bada bing bada bang and just created something that looked spot on um for this it was like i think they were just trying to create the vibe of a really swanky hotel yeah. in the 1950s yeah. that just happened to have a casino. Yeah. Gotcha. 
Maybe I'm wrong. That's a, I don't know. You're never wrong, Bill. No, that's not true. No, that's... I was wrong plenty, especially when giving the Royale a skip it five years ago. <laughs> I, th- I thought you were going to say when choosing a podcast partner, but... <laughs> Your words, not mine. <laughs> If you're here in Las Vegas for Creation's 56-year mission convention, be sure to stop by the Science Division Tribble Adoption Center. You absolutely want to. I mean, if you adopt your Tribble here in Las Vegas this weekend, you'll get a special custom-designed Gold Embossed Adopted in Vegas stamp on your adoption certificate. And this is the only time that what happens in Vegas doesn't have to stay in Vegas. (laughs) And I mean, why should it? Because you'll get this high-quality Star Trek collectible home to your collection as fast as you can. The fur, the sounds, the screaming at people who annoy you like stupid podcast co-hosts like named Dan Davidson. Wow. You will love your science division, Tribble. So be sure and stop by. Yeah. You're also going to love them because you know, <laughs> Tribbles are not dangerous. Tribbles are not dangerous, Bill. You didn't think <laughs> oh, I was going to say that. <laughs> All right. I was hoping. Subspa- Subspace Chatter Bill is also telling us that there are a limited number of Tribble pixel art pins left. So be sure to adopt early to ensure that you get one. Science division. Trouble's never been this fun. And we thank our friends at Science Division for sponsoring this week's episode. Hi, Dr. Phil Flox, also known as John Billingsley speaking. I am the president of the board of the Hollywood Food Coalition. We serve terrific multi-course meals to the unhoused and to those in need seven nights a week. We assist as many as 100 nonprofits with their food needs, buttressing extraordinary social service programs, We work with community partners to address issues of food insecurity here in SoCal. We do lots of other great stuff, but how much time do we have? If you're in L.A., come and volunteer with us at hofoco.org slash volunteer. And any Federation credits you can spare go a long way. So let's 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 do another little thought exercise. Oh so let's say we were recording that theater skip it today. What would you give this episode and why? I would give it a see it because Bernard from Lost is in it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I would give it I would oh, yeah. I would give it a, I would give it a see it this time because it has a very Star Trek vibe to it. Um it's got mystery, it's got science. And even that whole math equation thing at the beginning really plays into the entire episode. Uh, and it, it just it just works. Is it slow? Yeah. And I would say I would give it a see it, but there are still some slow parts to it. But I think the humor and the Star Trek story underneath it, it would give I would give it a see it now. I absolutely would give it a see it too. Um, largely because it's fun. Mm. You know, there are so many other episodes in seasons one and two that that I would skip. And for valid reason. Right. Um, but when I think about the fact that, you know, these aliens have have really created this thing out of guilt or out of the desire to, to create an environment for this astronaut for him to live. And then he winds up dying there while it's still going. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to think about here, even in just the Star Trek realm. You know, who are they? Why did they do what they did? Why is our crew having to go through this now? Is it just so they can discover the remains of of, of Colonel Ritchie? Who knows? So I, I think that there's a lot to consider here on top of the fun. And I think that that really makes it an interesting episode. So yeah, I have to say that I would give it a see it. Mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Me too. Um, and we talked about it a little bit, but there are a lot of very, very powerful aliens in the Star Trek universe that we've seen over time. Um, yeah. Just, just dozens of them. This is one of them, and it's one that just went away. They could, they could have been a, they could have been a force to be reckoned with. They could have been really helpful. Or now, yep. because of what happened with this one incident with running into humans for the first time, they decide to become xenophobes, and we never hear from them again. And I think that in itself, to think about, makes it another interesting part of the story. I definitely agree. I think if there's only one thing I would change about this episode is I would have sent Jordy down to the planet with Data and Worf. 
Because I think there could have been a, some additional fun scenes or some good dialogue between mm-hmm. Data and Jordy. Or maybe something Jordy discovers that we don't necessarily know about in the episode. Right. I think that that could have led to some interesting developments on top of all this. But as the episode is, it's just every time I watch it, I just have fun now. I, and that's the thing I enjoy. I got to agree with you on that. I actually think it was kind of, uh, not a waste isn't the right word, but it was kind of a waste to have LeVar and Will, basically their entire scenes for the whole episode was to sit at those stations and push buttons. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and it's, you know, kind of waste for both of them. But I, I do like your idea. Jeez, it would have been really cool to see what he could have seen with his visor and his engineering slash general knowledge. It would have been it would have been cool to see. Honestly, I think that, you know, everybody on the Enterprise is criminally underused in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it, even even the captain himself, although he gets most of the dialogue, but Troy is is dangerously underused. Mm-hmm. So is Dr. Pulaski. Um, Wesley is used about as much as Wesley is, right. um, which, you know, I, I gotta say, uh, I agree with you. I think that Deanna is th- the Deanna season one stereotype is very heavy in this episode where she's just sitting in her chair, sensing things. I sense he's tense. I sense he's having a good time. I sense it. She, and, and, and thankfully they got away from that fairly quickly. I was actually a little surprised that it showed up when it did here in season two, it's episode 12, I think. So we're a good, you know, almost halfway through the season and, and it still shows up where basically she's just sitting there saying she senses things. It was an underused uh, moment for her character as well. Yeah. I mean, and those, those failings aside, uh, it doesn't make the episode, you know, terrible to watch no, it's fun. there are things that we would have wished to see differently but all in all i'm still going to watch this episode to have fun before i go to vegas <laughs> and and you know what I, and i'm serious when i say this man if i'm flipping through the stations and if we ever get h and i down here if i'm watching h and i and this episode comes on my tv i'm gonna stop and watch the rest of it because uh, it's because it is it's fun you like to have the episodes that are fun and this is one of them you realize you could just dial it up on Plex anytime. It's always more interesting to see it showing up on a station. But we got rid of cable, so that's going to be really kind of hard for me to do now that I think of it. A little bit. A <laughs> little bit. A little bit. That's all right. I'll pull it up on Plex, I guess. Yeah, like I said. <laughs> yeah. See, right again. I'm so glad you listened to me. <laughs> well, Dan, I think that, you know, in the years past, we've always tried to pick a, a, a an episode that kind of kicks off our Vegas week and here we are in Vegas. Um, We're excited to have talked about the Royale. I'm glad that we finally got a chance to do this, but you know what? I'm glad that we're doing this now and not when we originally wanted to, because I think that this was a very different episode than the one we would have done two years ago. Oh, I absolutely agree. Like I said at the beginning, um, I've, I look at this with different eyes now because I'm older, but because of what we've gone through in the last few years with COVID. And I think it gives me a better appreciation for sitting down and watching episodes like this to talk about for the show. So I agree. It would have been different. I may, uh, gosh, I might have even given it a skip at two years ago or three years ago or however long it was. I don't know um, because there has been so many different things that have happened over the course of that time. So. Yeah, here we have it. So, um, Dan, that's uh, that's how we're getting our Vegas week started. We're here for the rest of the weekend. We're gonna we got the we got our panel on Thursday on the Roddenberry stage at five fifteen p.m. Uh, see it or skip it. Oh, sorry, not see it or skip it. Stump the geek live. <laughs> yeah, see it or skip it on the brand. Uh, that's good. It's Stump, good reason though. Stump the geek live, where a whole bunch of people are gonna win some fantastic prizes. A fantastic prize. Oh my gosh, yes. I can't wait for that. We got Fan Fan Geeks Party 2022 on Friday night at Tommy Rockers. Pow. Pow. <laughs> Saturday, we're recovering. <laughs> I'll be all purple. <laughs> Looking forward to that um, as well. Yeah. And then awesome. Sunday we're gonna Sunday we're gonna bring it up course, all weekend. We'll be in the vendors hall with the great Bonnie Gordon oh from Star God. Trek Prodigy appearing at our booth all weekend long. So what such a fabulous human. Let me let me say if, if any of you are tired, you know, it's been a long week and you've done a lot of walking and you need some energy, come by our booth and talk to Bonnie because I guarantee you you will be full of energy by the time you leave because that woman has more energy than she knows what to do with, and I guarantee you you're gonna get some back from her. Right. You know, it's, it's all about making it through the Vegas weekend the best you can. That's right. And of course, Dan, people that we're going to miss in Vegas this weekend, of course, the band five-year mission. So bummed. Uh, I know it's every year they're in Vegas. It's just such a special show because they are a fantastic house band, but we're going to do our best to soldier on without them this year. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but in the meantime, mm. they may not be here in Vegas, but that doesn't mean you can't go out to fiveyearmission.net, get all their CDs, get them sent straight to your door, become a huge fan of the band because you hear their music here on Drek Geeks all the time. And we guarantee it's going to be stuff you listen to over and over and over again. Like Dan, you're going to be sitting in your car rocking out to year two or year three or year one or trouble with tribbles or Spock's brain. Spock brain. That's what he does. I do. So fiveyearmission.net. Get all their albums. And now I do it with a FARC shirt on, which is even better. Yeah, you do. I do. So go to shop.trekgeeks.com and get a FARCism shirt because they're there. They're available for you to wear. I'm wearing one probably tomorrow, I think. I'm going to wear it in the vendor's hall, my friend. Um, it's it. They're, they're just fantastic. Can't say enough about five-year mission. But speaking of fantastic, Bill, fantastic mid-season finale to talk about from Star Trek Prodigy. I'm going to talk about it right now. It was fantastic. Fantastic animation, as always. Fantastic story. And a few fantastic surprises. But the best was learning that the Diviner was actually from the future and was trying to prevent five-year mission from ever making first contact with his people, which set forth a civil war on his planet as to who were the best musicians in the galaxy. Then Zero unveils his true form to the Diviner, rending him mad, just like my illustrious podcast co-host. So check it out. It's the mid-season finale to Star Trek Prodigy, A Moral Fark, Part 2. Dun-dun-dun! So, so wait a minute. Oh, God, here we go. Um, I'm mad. And Patreons uh, will want to go... No, 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 no. <laughs> No, no, no. Uh, maybe I no. should say insane. Ins- I'm insane. Oh, you she picked me, didn't you? Wow. <laughs> See? So you're admitting you suck. I, oh, this is amazing. You open um, up the dictionary and there's a picture of me. So a moral fark. Yeah. I just uh I they they I sometimes I'm going down to the bar because there's just not enough alcohol <laughs> in this room to deal with. Flow right out of me. That crappy farkism, <laughs> because that was terrible. Wow, that hurts. That's one of the worst ones you've I ever done. Beg to differ. Oh, yeah, you don't have to beg. <laughs> <laughs> you can just differ because Maybe you're I should wrong. Read it to John Noble at the uh, when I go and say hi to him and see what he thinks. I think he might call security. <laughs> wow, he's gonna wonder what the hell are you talking about, uh, and he won't be wrong. He'll understand. No, he he's won't. Smart. Makes things go. He, oh, shut <laughs> up. Fiveyearmission.net. Please, if you're here in Vegas, suggest your best Farkism to Dan. I'm sure it's going to be light years better than this crap. Wow. Um, don't forget, of course, you too can support the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to us on Patreon. Dan, so many great patrons that we have mm-hmm. that uh, we have great interactions with and who uh, they are responsible for all the growth that you've seen in the Trek Geeks Podcast Network since we started it. It's, they're the ones who make this all possible. And we're so grateful to them every single week, every single week, every single day. We love uh, having their support. We love having their friendship and being able to get together with some here in Vegas means all the world to me. And I know it does to you too, buddy. Uh, Right now, we want to take a moment to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks, because as we just said, we are so grateful for their support. So thank you so much. Vikram Bhatt, Brad DeMag, William Edward M. Jr., Patrick Escadero, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Jonathan Hamilton, Peter Hong, William J. Jackson, Ryan Jeffs, John Krikorian, Sean Lynn, Rick Mason, Jamie McGregor, Ross McKinney, Jim McMahon, Aaron Mollenkoff, Casey Pettit, Helen Reed, Sarah Rutlinger, Tim Robertson, Desi Rogers, Greg Greg Rozier. I don't know where that came from because uh, I never wow. messed that one up. Eric Saki. You really don't. <laughs> Adam Sanders, Tim Serdar, Heather Sohn, Blake Strike, Rick Tatro, Lisa Tomlinson, Ron Robel, and ladies and gentlemen, I must say, the gracious and wonderful Connie Archens, who is here in Vegas, right here in Vegas with us, or will be. Uh-huh. Or I don't know when she gets here, but I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Of course, we want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Mike Bovia, Steve Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Andy Davenport, Greg Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, who I'm sure is here in Vegas somewhere, David Hood, Lionel Marchon, Matt McGonagall, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, who's here in Vegas, Jamie Rogers, who's here in Vegas, mm-hmm. Major Self, Casey Shafsky, who's on his way to Vegas, Terry Schull, Jim Stoffel, who's here in Vegas, Chris Trebuzio, who's here in Vegas, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, who's late to Vegas, <laughs> and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. 
Dan, the senior producer of Trek Geeks, is well. I see, I, the, it's gone because I had a great line for Jude, and it's gone. It it got erased I, somehow. I I don't know if I was responsible for it, but any great word. I'm pretty is sure a great you were for for Jude. So think of something quick. Come on. He's he's the frequently fantastic and awesomely awesome Jude Tatman, senior producer of the Trek Geeks podcast. That's fantastic. He really is. It's always great to. Uh, I got a, I got another email from him just the other day, buddy. Did you? No, I didn't think so. Um, you too can become wow. a producer on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. It is so easy to do. Head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Dan, next week we're not going to be here because you're a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be recuperating for what I'm sure is going to be a very memorable trip to the desert. But in two weeks, we get to tell everyone about it. Oh, we sure do, man. In two weeks, we're going to be back to give an in-depth recap of all the events of the 56-year mission here out in sunny Las Vegas. Stump the Geek Live, Cosplay, the Fan Geeks Party, Panels, Hijinks, Jail Cells, and so much more. Uh, It's the Vegas Recap, and it's in two weeks' time on Trek Geeks, the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Well, you better hope I bring bail money then. Of course, for more great Star Trek discussion, please check out the other member podcast, the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. So many shows, all done by fans who just want to celebrate Star Trek and Gene's vision. And they are all just truly so passionate about it. You can find all our podcasts in the free Trek Geeks mobile app or get a link to download your, on your favorite podcast player by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one talks Trek like we do. No one does. And of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CO, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been the pre-Vegas episode of the Trek Geeks podcast, number 289. We do hope you all live long and prosper. We call this planet Earth. What do you call it? Coconut. How charming. No, we don't call it that. It's planet EO. We love them. (laughs) Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Bing bong 11. <laughs> Bing bong 11. <laughs> Bing bong 11. Although it's more like 23rd. Yeah, true. That's okay. Welcome to Vegas. Oh my God. Do we ever think it was going to happen again? No. <laughs> it's happening. I can assure you we did not. It's happening. It's It's happening right now. And it's so exciting. It, uh, I've had a lot of emotions this week about coming back to this convention. I mean, because it's, well, we've said for a long time, this is, we feel like even though neither of us is from Las Vegas, Mm. this is kind of like our home convention Yes, because of the people that we see every time we go and, and the relationships we have and the fun we have. And to think that we haven't had that now in three years is kind of mind blowing. It's a little scary. I'm not scared. I'm I'm too excited to be scared because <laughs> it's just oh my gosh I just can't wait for all the things that we have planned and and all the people we're gonna see and and are seeing it's just gonna be it, oh god it's it's just such a great feeling I'm just glad you're wearing pants um, it, as we you know having today. to look at your face all the time is you know you get to the point where you just can't do it anymore so I'm finally glad that we're gonna I'm gonna be able to see some other beautiful people so yes I was kind of complimenting you at the same time I was dissing you so you're welcome that's uh, that- Wow. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting way too complex than I can handle. I think it's the jet lag. It's the jet lag and I've been reading. So, yeah. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You read? Pop-up books. 
<laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That makes more sense. It does. That's all right. So, yeah. I, uh, you're going to have your face slathered in makeup pretty A soon. A lot of makeup. Yeah. Two days worth of makeup. Um, it's not going to make you look any better. No, Let's just get that. Well, out actually, of the way. it will because it'll be covering up some of me. Um, cause I've not enough, uh, not enough. Cause I'll have my eyebrows covered up for both days. So that's part of me gone. And on Saturday I'll have my chin covered with a prosthetic. So that'll be gone. Uh, so yeah, I'm pretty excited. I got the whole, I got the baldness going. I got the, uh, the galt colors in the beard all going. So I'm ready to go, man. It's going to be fantastic, but it's going to be early. I got a, I got the makeup woman's going to be at our room on Friday at eight 30. So you're welcome. But then I have to be in on Saturday morning. I have to be ready at somebody else's room for the makeup at six 30. So we have to be at the dealer's room to set up at 9 a.m. So, I mean, well, you've got somebody to help you don't because to, I'm not going to be there. <laughs> no, but I mean, you don't have to apologize to me because I'll already be awake. Yes. It's the 630 morning where I'm going to kill I'm you. not going to I'm going to be as quiet as possible. I'm going to get up. I'm going to go into the bathroom, get ready and leave without saying anything. I don't want to bother you. I want you to sleep. God, that would be that would be so amazing if you said nothing. And, uh, I might put up like the whole weekend, I might put a pillow over your head and suffocate you. But other than that, I won't say anything. Uh, the only wow. thing I'll say is go to the light. That's all I'll say. <laughs> what a jerk. <laughs> yep. So what a jerk. I, and I've got some I got some of those waffle protein things, the little Yeah, like stroop waffles. Yeah, um, so that I can have something to eat while I'm in the chair or something like that. Cause I won't be eating much uh those mornings because I'll be in the makeup chair and, and getting ready to to go. So you you could actually go get breakfast before you get in the chair. Uh, I don't know. It all depends because the could. night before is the fan geeks party, and I'm expecting to be pretty like you know up late and excited. So I don't know how much sleep I'm going to get. So you just stay up. I can't do that because then I'd have to deal with you the whole time, and then that's then I just want to no, go no, to sleep see, forever. This is what you do. You <laughs> always try to turn it back on me when really this is all about you. It's not. About, it's nothing. It's never about me. I'm here for everyone else's benefit. You can't do it because you don't want to stay up all night. I don't because I, I'm old. Because, I can't handle it <laughs> because you're a big stick in the mud. <laughs> yeah. All right. Who was the one who went to bed early that one time when we were at the I bar because you were so tired? No, no, it wasn't because I was tired. I was drunk. Tired, drunk. I put myself to... Same thing. No, no, no. Here's what happened. So we went to we went to Top Golf that night. It was 115, uh, 115 degrees Fahrenheit. That's true. I was drinking Long Island iced teas Oof. all evening long. We got back to, to the Rio. I continued to drink Long Island iced teas. And then all of a sudden, at about 1130 one night, it hit me that I was just... I was done. Go to bed. I put myself to bed. <laughs> I am the I'm the most responsible inebriated person you're ever going to meet because all I want to do is just go to bed. I will say that I I agree with that I'm the same way. Once I hit a certain point, my body's like, nope, you're done. Don't do any more. And yes, that's also the last time I was overserved. Allegedly, no, all right, because you I usually been... put allegedly after that all the time. So no, I mean I'm I'm declaring that as a fact. Right. I uh, and I it's really the only time in Vegas that I've been that gone. I'm not necessarily proud of it. But it happened. Yeah, you were fun. Funner than you've ever been before. It's because I left and went to bed early. <laughs> <laughs> well, it will be my mission at the 56 here at the 56 year mission to get you in a similar state, but not too bad. Because we're gonna have fun. Yeah, so don't don't tell me I'm a stick in the mud because I had fun. I never said stick and then in I the went mud. to bed. You said stick in the mud. I never said that. No, you just agreed with it. It doesn't matter. I didn't say it. Use your words carefully, son. Oh, <laughs> you're gonna school me on choosing words. <laughs> Yes, I am. When I, whenever I get the chance, I might as well take uh, you know advantage of it. <laughs> uh, just because you shoot Jesse James doesn't make you Jesse James. Who's that? Uh, <laughs> I don't even know anybody named Jesse. Do you know that quote? No. Uh, Mike Ehrmantraut says it in Breaking Bad. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, God, he's so good. He's so good. Yes, I have to remember it. Yeah, I have to rewatch that again. I do remember it now that you said I can hear that distinct voice of his. Is that before or after he shot the top of his ear off? <laughs> no comment for people who haven't seen it. Breaking Bad's old. People haven't seen it. Sorry, spoilers. I know. I don't want to spoil Breaking oh, Bad God, for anybody if they haven't seen it. Well, because so it's that it good. It is the best written television show in history. Period. Full stop. End of sentence. It's the closest thing to a perfect series I've yep. ever seen. And I'll tell you what, Better Call Saul is right up there too. It is it's really good. Although you I, haven't seen the last season. I have season, not seen so. the last season. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I've been I've been able to stay away from spoilers too, which is good. I have, so suck it. So so I will give you some good news because I know you're always looking for good news from me. Um 
Um, I finished season three of The Office. Yeah. Yes. And oh my God, I was dying laughing in some of the scenes in the season three finale. It was really good. I'm, I'm enjoying it very much. So you're into season four? Yes. So you've seen Fun Run? Not yet, even though that's the first episode. I'm into it, but I've only watched like the first 10 seconds. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Um, but yes, I'm looking forward to it very much. Um, the, I, I, I almost, I literally almost peed my pants when Dwight Schrute was in the office thinking he was the new manager and he's sitting there chewing big league chew bubble gum and then he spits into a <laughs> cup like it's real chew. I almost lost it because it's so subtle. It's like they don't even focus on it. Oh my God, it was so good. <laughs> And then he paints the office black, black to intimidate his subordinates. Yes. Oh my god! Oh god, it's so good. I've also decided that in addition to watching uh, uh, the Office and and getting everything caught up on that, I'm going to restart. I'm going to do a start a rewatch of Sons of Anarchy. In in um, to like to like to give my homage and my and my bowing up and down to uh, Mr. Ron Perlman who I will be meeting this oh, weekend. Right. So, who will be there this weekend. Yeah, so I figured why not? It's a good show. I like Clay Morrow, and uh, I'm excited to meet him on Saturday. So It's a shame you didn't go as the Romulan vo- Viceroy this year. Yeah, well, then nobody... Or, was, sorry, Reman Viceroy. Yeah, the, my bad. Uh, I've never been a big fan of that makeup, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm sure he would have dug it, but... Yeah. Dude, do you know how much of that face uh, of your face that stuff would block? It would be amazing. It would be amazing for everybody else, but it wouldn't be. it wouldn't be in my heart cosplay is is always for everybody else Dan. you have to enjoy what you're putting on are you ready to uh hit the slot machines oh god let me get my quarters and my nickels (laughs) (laughs) you know you can actually use a card now oh well that's an extra 15 (laughs) pounds i didn't need in my luggage (laughs) (laughs) just please don't put them inside a a pair of socks and beat me over the head with it oh see it's your fault for giving me ideas like this so sorry i know all right shut up let's do this (laughs) 